All right, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians in your Bibles, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're progressing right along in our study um, concerning the whole issue of having peace in the coming storm. And Paul's really getting to the heart of why he is writing this second epistle to them, because they had some questions, they had some confusion. To be honest with you, they were just flat out concerned. Remember, in his first letter, he was telling them about two significant events in chapter 4 that were going to take place in the future. And that was, number one, the rapture of the church, when Jesus will come back and gather to himself his church, all of the believers. And then he pointed out the second coming, the events of the second coming to us. Well, of course, that letter went up to Thessalonica, and they received that letter, but there was some confusion that was going on. There were some problems that were going on, as well as the climate of what they were facing at the time. Remember, this church was undergoing some severe persecution. I mean, some intense persecution. And in fact, that's why Paul and his team had to leave, is because of what they were facing so when you're in the midst of that and you have people going around, I, I can't say it any other way than this, they're, they're false teachers, false prophets, who are going around and making comment on current events. Someone had told these folks that they missed the coming. They missed the coming of Jesus. That the events were, had already taken place and obviously they weren't worthy enough. So they're going through the time of trial. And so that panicked them. Wouldn't you get panicked? Somebody came along and said to you, well, you've been left behind. And you've got to go through this. You'd be like, whoa, what? And then you're looking at the crazy chaos that's going on around you. Yeah, that would make you nervous and concerned, right? And they're concerned. Well, you know what? To be honest with you, right now, can I be honest with you? I've never seen believers in the state of confusion that they are right now. They're in a lot of confusion about the way things are going, what's going to happen, and you hear, you hear crazy things. I've, I've heard people say, we're in the tribulation, we're in this, we're in that. And, well, I just want to make a couple of points about it, about the added confusion. First of all, I just want to talk about our natural human tendency. This is true for everyone, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, whether they go to church or don't go to church. Okay, I just want to make, a, make this point. Here it is. It is nat it's a natural human tendency to fear the end of the world. It's a natural human tendency. Have you noticed that people just get freaked out when you talk about the end of the world? And it doesn't have to be Christian stuff. That in itself is enough, because I've lived through many books, I've lived through many predictions of Jesus coming back, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. Because typically what they are saying, they're just leaving out things, and they're forgetting things, and, and so, okay, so that's added to the confusion. But how many of you remember, I think it's 2012, the Mayan calendar? You remember the Mayan calendar? Big stone tablet in, in, in Mexico that kind of predicted when the end of the world was. 
and it got to this certain point, and that was the end of the world. Well, that was 2012, folks. It's 2020. Obviously, the Mayans weren't right. But back in 2012, people were really worked up about the Mayan calendar when it may have been something simple as they just ran out of space on that big stone tablet. Did you understand what I'm saying to continue on? We have a natural human tendency to fear the end. How do you know that, George? We fear death, right? Let's just be honest. We fear death. We, want, we don't want to die. And that's true for everybody in the world. We, we fear the end. Here's the second thing. Surprisingly, ignorance can consume believers with fear. Of all the people who should have a grasp of what's coming, who should have a hope that guides them through no matter what the outcome will be. Because again, we don't know what's going to happen for us individually, right? Nobody has that, okay? Nobody has that capability of seeing that or anticipating that. But what guides us and pushes us forward in spite of all that happens around us is that we have a hope in Jesus, right? Is that not true? We have a hope in Jesus. We have a hope for the future. How do we have a hope for a future? It's because the scripture tells us what the future is. It tells us what the final chapter of all things is. Folks, the final chapter of all things isn't Revelation 19 for you when Jesus comes back and, and, and puts everything right. The final chapter for you is Revelation 20. When it says he'll wipe away every tear and there'll be no more pain, no more suffering. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you talk to people today with all the, the, the stuff that's happening with COVID, the wars, and man, do you see what's going on with Armenia? Most of you didn't even know where Armenia was until this week. And you look at all of this chaos that's happening, and then you hear somebody who gets on there who's on the radio or whatever, and they're saying, well, this is this, and this is this, and we're... And the blood moons and this, that, or another. By the way, blood moons are not in your Bible. That is a Jewish myth, which the Apostle Paul tells you, don't pay attention to Jewish myths and fables. See, all of this is adding confusion. So this, in some ways, can I be honest with you, we are like the Thessalonians. We're like the Thessalonians. We're worried. Worried about the future. Worried about, did we miss something? When all we needed was to be people of God's word. So let me tell you what it says. Well, we're just going to look at the first five verses today. Because he's going to answer it for them. And I want you to notice what it says in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. It'll be up on the screen for you if you want to watch it, or you can read it along in your own Bible. Okay, here's what he writes. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him, we ask. 
you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by the letter, or by word or by the letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now we're going to look at these verses. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on verses 1 and 2, which is basically telling you, are you ready for this? Stay calm. When it comes to the stuff that's happening in the world, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, stay calm. Don't get freaked out. We'll tell you what it says here in a moment, okay? Then he's going to talk about certain prerequisites. He's going to talk about certain things that need to take place before the time of the end comes, before the events of the second coming, before the rapture. There are certain prerequisites that need to happen, and we're going to talk about that as well. So let's look at it. Let's talk about staying calm. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. He says this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. All right, so here's what I want you to see. A couple of things. Number one, don't get worked up about the events of Jesus' second coming. Don't get worked up about it. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Okay, notice he makes two distinctions here in verse one. Notice what he says. Look at your Bible. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and what's that next section? What's your Bible say? I can't speak today, George. What does it say, folks? Our what? Gathering. What does that refer to? The rapture. Okay, so it's two events here. So he's talking about, don't get concerned concerning the events of Jesus' coming, his second coming, and our gathering, which are, is the rapture. Okay, so don't get worked up about those events. Don't get worked up about it. Don't think, well, you know, we're in the midst of it, we missed it, or something like that. No, no, don't get, don't let your temperature rise above what is normal. Don't let your blood pressure get out of control. Did you understand me? Why? Here's what he says. Don't let some, some quote, teaching unsettle you. Don't let some teaching. Now, here's what was happening with the Thessalonians. When he looked, he says, don't be troubled or shaken in mind, either by spirit, that's is some, you know, or by word or by letter as if from us. So what was happening is, is 
Maybe somebody got up and they said, well, the Spirit of God just showed me this. Those things happened in that day. Or, I got a letter from Paul and he said this. He said, no, I didn't send you any letter. I didn't talk about this. There's no new teaching here. Have you noticed there's a lot of new teachings lately? A lot of new teaching. I put the computer through the Bible and it told me this. Hey, you can put Moby Dick through the computer and it'll tell you something. Do you understand? Algorithms are not going to help you to understand this. The Spirit of God helps you to understand this. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you can't, you, and it's not something deep. Well, I found something deep. Well, you sound like a Gnostic. That was a heresy in the first century. Some deep meaning. Don't let some teaching unsettle you. Well, I saw the guy on TV and he said there's these blood moons and it has something to do with Israel and we just had a blood moon. Yes, and we just had a blue moon and a harvest moon and an orange moon. What do those mean? You, did you understand what I'm saying? So you just have to be calm. Don't get worked up. I think we know that, right? So let me ask you something. Okay, so I grew up in the Cannon household, mom and dad. With my brother, I was the oldest of three, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, dad would come home from work. Whenever he came home, he was in the military. I can remember a period of time when my dad was stationed at Fort Jackson. He was a drill sergeant. So we didn't know when dad would come back. He would get up in the morning real early to go out to take care of his troops. And then he would come back. Like, there would be days where we wouldn't see him. But then there would be days, we didn't know when that was, when we would see him. Now, I'll be honest with you, normally I would be excited when dad comes home. But there were times when I wasn't excited when dad came home. Why? Because I knew mom was going to tell him something. And I would have to be accountable, right? See, there's no reason for you to get all worked up about Jesus coming back. Why? Because he loves you. You're his child. And his coming is the best thing that could ever happen for you. So don't get worked up. Don't be troubled by some new teaching. Listen, I'm going to tell you the best way to guard against people telling you stuff that's whacked out and weird or new is read your Bibles. I'm just being honest with you. Don't just go because, well, you know, George said. Yeah, but George might be wrong. Okay? On that issue. You need to let God teach you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And he teaches you by, by reading his word. In fact, he's going to make that point at the end in verse 5. So here, let's go on. So let's stay calm. So he's going to tell us that there are certain prerequisites. So okay, remember, he's talking about, you know, concerning the coming of Christ and the gathering, which is the rapture. Okay, so concerning those two issues, look at what he says in verse 3. 
Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless... All right, now, does everybody understand what unless means? I mean, we understand what that means. That means that something's got to take place first, right? Have you ever been told that? We're going to go to the ice cream shop unless you don't do the chores that you were supposed to do. Did you know what I'm saying? Have you ever had a parent tell you that? We don't like unless because that usually means there's something that has to take place, a requirement of us, right? Well, here's what he's saying. Don't let anybody deceive you about these issues because there's some prerequisites. So I just want you to see three things here. First of all, certain things must happen before the events of Jesus is coming. He's going to point out two of them here. Certain things must happen. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I know our world is chaos. I know that the disease is real. I know that there are these wars and rumors of wars. I know that all of this stuff is going on, but I want you to remember something. Remember what Jesus said in his Gospels. These are just the birth pangs. He said this would happen. What are birth pangs? Well, that's the Bible way of talking about what we today call Braxton Hicks contractions. Ladies, you know what that is, right? That's the pre-labor. I mean, it's not labor. That in itself was bad enough, right? But the pre-labor? See, what we're seeing is the pre-labor of the events that are taking place. But he says, just so you know, two specific things have to take place before the end. Before the gathering, which is the rapture and his coming. What are they? All right, let's take a look. Here they are. First of all, the apostasy or should be or falling away must take place first. The apostasy or falling away. What are you talking about, George? What he's referring to is this. He is saying that right before the end comes, there is going to take place something in which a number of the people of God will say, adios. I'm out of here. I don't believe anymore. That's the falling away. It's called apostasy. It's called the great apostasy. So you need to understand what needs to take place before the rapture, before the, quote, coming of Christ, is that there, Paul is telling us, he's told them this before, he wants them to understand, so that you understand that you haven't been left behind yet, there's got to take place an apostasy. People turning away from God from the people of God. Now, let me explain to you, I am not talking about nations turning away from God. Let's quit equating nations with the people of God. What I'm talking to you about, let's say, who is the people of God today? The church. 
It's an exodus from the church. Well, how's that possible, George? How can they lose their salvation? I'm telling you that they probably were never saved. How do you know that? Well, here's the scripture. Look with me on the screen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Look at what he says. He is referring in his scripture here, in chapter 2, in verse 18, he talks about the Antichrist. In verse 19, he talks about the apostasy. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Isn't that interesting? They went out from us, but they weren't of us. For if they'd have been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have never left. But when they went out, that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. That's the last part of the verse. When they left, they showed that they weren't part of us. What does that ultimately mean? Can I show you? That showed that they weren't saved. They weren't believers. They were part of us. See, here's the thing. I try to tell people, you need to understand, because sometimes we have a confusion. Just coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just reading your Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Just making an offering to the church, even being involved in all kinds of things, doesn't make you a Christian. You, I mean, you're involved, quote, in Christianity, you're involved in church, and there are a lot of people that think, well, I left the church. Yeah, you left a religious system. But true Christianity is not a religious system. True Christianity is a relationship with the living God. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so when they left, they weren't really of us. They got tired of the religious system, and they left. That's what he's saying here. And what he's saying is, is before the events of the, of the gathering, the rapture, and of Jesus coming back, you're going to see an exodus of people from the church. The falling away. The apostasy. That's got to take place first. Here's the second thing. The second event is the introduction of the Antichrist to the world. This passage has, has bothered people for years because most teaching today has it portrayed that the Antichrist won't appear until after the church is raptured. Actually, if that's true, then what do we do with what Paul's saying here? Paul's saying that before the gathering and before the events of the second coming, there will be this guy. Look with me. Look at what it says here in verse 3. Let no one deceive you that the day will not come unless the falling away comes first and, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I want to explain to you what perdition is. That's a Bible word. What does that mean? It means damned, eternally damned. It means someone whose lot is to be continually, eternally punished in hell. He has no other course but to go to hell, period. That's what it means. So what it's saying here is, is this, listen to me. One of the things that's going to take place before the end will come is, is that you and I will see him come. 
he'll be introduced to the world. Now, he won't do the things yet that are listed in Revelation during the time of the tribulation, but he will appear. And he is who he is. This is what the Bible describes him as. Here are the names of the Antichrist. Book of Daniel, the little horn, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. The prince who will come, Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. In fact, the prince who will come, he's also known as the prince of peace. So he'll be a prince of peace. In fact, Daniel chapter 9 says that he will establish a covenant with the people of God and bring them peace. He'll create the big ultimate peace treaty that brings Israel peace. Just so you know, Daniel tells you that the tribulation doesn't begin until that, until that peace treaty is established. Then the seven years of tribulation begin. Now, folks, is there a peace treaty in the Middle East right now? Is there? Is there peace there? Have you watched the news lately? No, there isn't. This one will establish a peace treaty that brings peace. That's what Daniel says. Here's what else it says. He's described in chapter 11, verse 21, as the vile person. Daniel chapter, verse 36, he's described as the willful king. Here's how he's described in the book that we're looking at here. Verse 3, the man of sin, the son of perdition. Verse 3, verse 9, the lawless one. First John refers to him directly as the Antichrist. The book of Revelation, he is the conqueror on the white horse. He is the first seal of the seven seals of judgment. He's also referred to as the beast. This is who he is. And we will know him. How will we know him? Well, go back to what Daniel said. Okay? Go back to what the book of Daniel told us. That as we get closer to the time, the wicked will not understand. Daniel chapter 12, verse 10. But the wise will what? Understand. They'll see what's happening. They'll see what's happening. Hmm. I'm going to tell you what we should be doing with this information here in a moment. Okay, but here's the next thing I want you to see. He finishes up in this section with verse 5. So here's what he says. Okay. And do not, do you not remember that I was, when I was still with you, I told you these things? All right, so here's the point that he's making. Paul is telling us that this is not some new teaching. This is not new. Folks, you might be saying, I don't know if I agree with what you say, George. Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. Trust me, I've been pastoring a long time now. I'm not staying up at night because somebody didn't listen to me. If that were true, I would have slept for the last 20-some years. Okay? But, verse 3 is verse 3. Don't be deceived. These things won't take place until what? The falling away 
and the man of sin is revealed. That's not George. That's Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's not some new teaching. Well, you know, George, I read this series, you know, Left Behind, and Nikolai, you know Nikolai, he was the Antichrist, he didn't get revealed until after the rapture. And you know, yeah, I understand that. It was a nice series. I haven't read it. Don't want to read it. Don't need to read it. But that's that guy's interpretation. That doesn't fit with this. Why? Because the rapture is the gathering here. And this takes place before what? The gathering. Do you understand? Okay. Here's what I want you to do with it. I'm going to close with this point. It's this. Understanding the scripture will guard your heart in the confusion. Understanding the scripture will guard your heart in the confusion. All right, so look. Here's the thing. I, I, I guess I've gotten old enough now that I'm not surprised by anything anymore. Well, yeah, I am surprised, but I shouldn't be. Right? We shouldn't be anymore, right? Like, what else could happen? I didn't expect that one. And more craziness is going to happen. It, it, it's, it's, it's just more, we're moving to that time, right? Expect more craziness to happen. Okay, so how do, I, how do I guard my heart from being confused? Read this. Read his word. Ask the spirit to guide you. So as you are getting closer, as we get closer to time, I truly believe, look folks, if all of a sudden we start seeing people dropping like flies in the church, the wise will understand, right? The wise will, instead of trying to figure out how to bring them back, although we will do that, we'll, we'll be like, oh, is this happening, Lord? Should be coming out of your mouth. Is this happening, Lord? Is this happening? When we see somebody who fits the motif, and let me just be honest with you, through history there have been those who fit the motif. There's somebody right now who fits the motif. He's in an Asian country, isolated from everybody. They call it the Hermit Kingdom. That guy thinks he's God. Literally. They have a religion there that worships him as God. That's a type of Antichrist, right? Is that not true? John tells you that in the last days there will be many Antichrists, but there is one who is yet to be revealed. But then when it is, you let the Scripture guide you and you say, hmm, hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Why? The wise will understand. So what do you do with that? Here's what you do with it. You pray for your lost loved ones. You pray for your lost loved ones. Oh, Lord, could they please bring them to Jesus? The time is short. Lord, give me opportunities to share with my friends who don't know you, with my family members. God, would you be merciful? I thank you, you're coming. But I pray for those who don't know you. Did you understand what I'm saying? Listen, the only grieving that needs to take place when it comes to the coming of Jesus isn't 
worrying about what it's going to be like. It's for our loved ones who don't know him. That's legitimate. And that's what he's saying here. So the next time somebody tells you we're in the midst of it, shut them off. Because you know better. Because there's a couple things that have to take place that you know of, right? Let me pray for you. We'll continue on with this next week as he talks about this man of sin a little bit more and some more things for us to consider. But let's pray.